It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the one and the only, got Uncle Dave Essler. You guys can find him on X at Dave underscore Essler. And we also have NFL professional handicapper Steve Reeder. You guys can find him on X as well at Avoid the Big. All right, guys, NFL Week 6. We're now in the thick of it. The weather is kind of finally changing here. At least it is on the East Coast, so it feels a little bit like football weather finally so at least for me i'm a little extra locked in i'm sure steve is too uncle dave he doesn't know what football weather is like he lives on a golf course down there in florida so the weather is always sunny but it does feel like football and i'm sure a lot of you guys agree uh, what we're going to do this week you guys know how we do it we'll cover our four biggest games player prop contest weather injuries go ahead and give the sheeps pick out we'll also do our three team betting predator parlay quick promo best bets and we'll get you guys out of here with our three agreed pick with all that out of the way, let's go ahead. Let's get into our four big games. And we're going to go ahead. We're going to lead it out here with Seattle. They're going to be on the road here in Cincinnati. Current line in this game, Cincinnati minus three. And we have a total of 45. Uncle Dave kicking it to you first to kick this one off. Seattle, Cincinnati, what do you think? I suspected the public could be all over the Bengals after that win in Arizona and Jamar Chase finally going off. And yet on Monday, um, it was like a week three, even two and a half. And it's still sitting at two and a half with obviously the majority of the tickets on the Bengals. That's a little scary. Uh, and to be honest, I'm not sold on Seattle, but I'm not going to overreact to the Bengals. I mean, the total jumped a couple of points right out of the gate, uh, but it's obviously come back down a little bit with some potential weather threats. And, and uh, you know, sitting there around 45 with that weather, I just don't know. But for the Bengals, I mean, they're either going to be back or not. It's a terrible spot for them. They've got the 49ers and Buffalo in the next in the next two weeks. So, I mean, they can't afford to be at two and three and looking ahead. Um, but will they? I mean, you know, does Seattle coming off a bye matter? I don't know the answer to either one. Um, and betting the over concerns me only because both teams have been, like, super pathetic on third down. Uh, and the, the Seahawks do have the number one defense in terms of rush yards per play. So this is a tough one. The Bengals – they're third in pass attempts, but, you know, until last week they hadn't been throwing it downfield. I guess the bottom line for me is that Seattle is one of the least penalized teams uh, and, and they're number three in turnover margin. So I'm going to take the uncool Seattle Seahawks, believe it or not. All right, Uncle Dave, going to go ahead and side there with Seattle. It doesn't look like the consensus market right now trusts this Bengals team just yet. I can tell you this, though, even though, you know, the market has this game at Cincinnati minus three. I think if the situation wasn't so bad there, Uncle Dave, for the Bengals, that this line would probably be Cincinnati minus four. And here's why. I believe the bye weeks are actually accounted into this line for this particular game. This is a bad spot for the Bengals, something that, you know, I can teach you guys this week. Usually you want to avoid a team going into the bye when they're playing a team that's coming out of one. And we have that here with Seattle coming off the bye and the Bengals going into the bye next week. To make things even worse situationally for the Bengals, they're probably off perhaps maybe their biggest and most impressive win of the season. Even though it was the Cardinals, it was a road game too as well. And it was kind of like a must win there for Cincinnati. So you have to wonder if they let down here at all. If they do, even in the slightest, I think Seattle can win this game outright. The issue for me here taking Seattle is who the Bengals have on deck. So it's kind of like one of those situations where you go into a bye, you have San Fran, you have Buffalo on deck. Again, becomes another must-win situation here 
for the Bengals. So I'm not too worried about the letdown factor here. I think they'll be okay. But I'd still have my concerns here for Cincinnati. T. Higgins uh, still banged up. We don't know if he's going to be back here. From my experience and kind of like what got me here on these podcasts and working for pregame.com, you don't take a team like the Bengals in this particular situation. It just doesn't make much sense. I think the only bet that I can make in this game would be with Uncle Dave here inside with Seattle. And you can find some three and a halves out there. That's the only number I'll bet Seattle is at plus three and a half. You can get that right now at DraftKings. I think it was uh, minus 123 plus three and a half. So I'll go ahead. I'll be with you there, Uncle Dave. I don't love Seattle, but it's just this is a a brutal spot for Cincinnati. So it's Seattle for me plus the three and a half. Shop around. Get it. It's out there. I'll go with that one. How about you, Steve? How are you feeling? Originally, I I was on the same side as you folks. Actually, Monday morning, I I did take a little piece of Seattle plus three. Uh, Not sure I feel all that great about it right now. You know, Seattle is three and one straight up and ATS. You know, they were dominated in week one by the Rams. They had a really good win in Detroit in overtime. Um, you know, and, and then they they dominated uh, the Carolina and the Giants. But they might be the two worst teams in the league. So, you know, they have a, a great win in Detroit. You can't take away anything from that. Um, but Carolina is dreadful, and, and the Giants have been dreadful. So, you know, besides that one win, I'm not sure that there's too much you can hang your hat on uh, with Seattle or at least trust it. No, they went into the bye feeling good about themselves, and I'm not sure that that is a great position to be in. I mean, you know, you have three straight wins. How focused are you going to go into the bye? You know, and coming out of the bye, Pete Carroll is only four and six ATS uh, off a of bye in his career, so that's not putting instilling a ton of confidence right there. Uh, I wasn't high on Seattle coming into the year. I thought the second half of Seattle last year was more indicative than the first half, where you know Geno Smith was a an MVP candidate. But they're top 10 in DVOA and EPA, and their offensive metrics look even more impressive considering Seattle uh, was down both tackles. And, you know, they're, they've been doing better than I anticipated. I'll put it that way. And Seattle, uh, Cincinnati obviously has done worse uh, with the Burrow injury, but he's getting better week by week. And, you know, I, I watched the game on Sunday, and, and Burrow was moving around in the pocket a lot more. At one point, he actually scrambled outside of the pocket. You know, we're, we're, we didn't expect him to take a whole bunch of snaps under center, and now he's able to do that in the play action coming off of it. So, you saw him play better and Cincinnati perform better, even though they didn't have Higgins who was injured and may not be back this week. And Chase puts up a, a, a you know, 15 receptions in, in one game, which is the record for Cincinnati. You know, the more, as the, as I get closer to game day here, the more I like Cincinnati. Um, I, I actually probably lean to an expensive uh, two and a half right now for Cincinnati, but I'm not playing anything at the, uh, at the current price. All right. So Steve looking like he's going to be on the other side of that one. Pretty good handicaps from everybody on that one. Let's see how we shake out with this next one. This one might be tough. So we got San Francisco. They're going to be on the road. They're going to be at Cleveland. Current line in this game, San Fran minus 7. And we have a total of 37. This was the biggest mover of the week. San Fran going from minus 3 now to minus 7. And that move indicates that Deshaun Watson probably will not play on Sunday. I read some reports saying that he's 50-50 to come back. Uh, There were multiple coaching reports that I read that said that they would be surprised if he didn't play. There were reports today that said he only worked with the trainers and did some really light work, did not practice. So right now it's, it's really, really murky. I personally don't like this spot for the 49ers, but I don't know how you can like Cleveland either. Dorian Thompson in his last game against Baltimore looked absolutely terrible threw three interceptions, didn't have a touchdown. The Browns only managed three points in that game. And we know how good San Fran is. I think all three of us would agree San Francisco right now, best team in the NFL. 
So it's just tough. It's a tough spot for San Fran. You can't trust Cleveland unless Watson's out there. Cleveland's not healthy. They don't have Chubb. So it's a pass for me on this game. I'm just going to stay clear away from it as of right now. That's how I feel. How about you, Steve? 49ers, Browns, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, San Francisco is head and shoulders above the league right now. I mean, they're number one in total DVOA, number one in my power ratings, number one in your hearts. Their defense has only allowed 17 or more points one time this year. And offensively, they've yet to score less than 30. You know, so they've been really dominant and everybody's singing their praises. So I, I do see where it could be a bad spot for them because they're feeling themselves right now and they haven't had really a difficult contest. I mean, they just dominated somebody that was supposed to be an NFC championship contender in Dallas this past week uh, and they made it look easy. So I, I do think it could be a flat spot for them. But you know, the Browns defense is really good. They've been dominant all year. They've only allowed 18 points through the first three games. But without Watson, they were dominated on both sides of the ball uh, against Baltimore 28-3 before their bye. So, you know, you have to think they were focused during that bye week trying to get right. Uh, but I don't know how right they can get without Watson. You know, as you mentioned, the line has totally moved here. There's been some weird reports from uh, the coach identifying who's going to be the backup quarterback and P.J. Walker and not Thompson um, this week, which is kind of peculiar. Why would you even comment on that if you think that Watson's going to play? You know, you're going to get some wind in this game and rain that, you know, Dave will certainly touch on. Um, you know, if, if Watson plays, uh, the number's going to get bought back. You know that. But I have concerns that even his effectiveness, Watson's effectiveness, he hasn't really practiced in like three weeks here, man. He, you know, and he's going to play the most difficult defense that he's going to face all year without that practice. So, you know, even at the current number, I mean, now it moved to seven. You know, I, I gave out five and a half to the clients earlier. You know, I really like that at seven. It's getting a little bit more expensive. Uh, you know, but if PJ Walker starts, this is still going to go up. We haven't seen, seen the the bottom price of this number yet. So, um, you know, I I like San Francisco. I I think I still lean San Francisco minus seven, knowing what we know now. And if if you do think Watson's going to sit, I'd buy it now because I think you're going to see it getting closer to 10. It will never hit 10, but I think you're going to get up another couple points, point or two here. All right. So there's Steve's take on that. How about you, Uncle Dave? What do you got? Yeah. I mean, Steve alluded to a lot of this. I mean, Clearly, the 49ers are potentially in a little bit of a letdown spot, but the Browns are a hot mess, and, and I don't think a buy fixes that. And As Steve said, the 49ers have scored 30 in every game this season and given up 16 or less than four out of five. So, I mean, there's no chance I bet against them, even if we get their mediocre effort with a game at Minnesota next week. And, you know, Monday the total was 40, and the spread was four and a half, and we've seen what's happened to that. And even at that, I was putting the Niners team total at 23, uh, and anything less than 24, I was prepared to be on their team total over, and, and now it's 22-and-a-half. Like, the Browns gave up 27 to a pretty wounded Ravens team, and who can forget the 26 they allowed to the Steelers? And I, I know some of those points against the Steelers were scored defensively, but I think the 49ers have a defense that can, can put points on the board too. Uh, and we don't know who's playing quarterback. And, um, I'm going to go with the 49ers team total over in spite of the fact that it might not be great weather. All right, so Uncle Dave taking a look at the Niners team total. So that game out of the way. Let's jump to our next year. We got Philadelphia. We're going to be on the road against the New York Jets. Current line in this game, Philadelphia minus 7. And we have a total of 41. I'll go ahead and I'll start out with this one. I certainly expect the Eagles to go ahead and win this game. One of the things that I know about this Philly offense is that they actually don't care how good your defense is. Now, the Jets, I think that they'll be kind of on a high after getting a win versus Denver in Denver last week. But let's just say it like it is like Denver sucks, and so do the Jets with Wilson. The Eagles' defensive front, 
they're going to go ahead and they're going to wreak havoc on the Jets' offensive line, and the Jets' rushing attack is going to struggle, and Wilson is going to be in some type of a, of a world of hurt here. People still saying that Philly hasn't looked all that great, yet they're 5-0 and on the season. Three of those five wins came on the road, and I believe that they covered all those road games. The Jets are going into the bye next week, and the Eagles, they do have Miami on deck, so situationally not exactly, I guess, great maybe for either team. Eagles now on a second of a back-to-back. This game could be close, but I eventually just see Wilson screwing things up here in some way, somehow. You know, the Eagles' defense ends up making a couple big plays, going ahead and and, um, and, and getting the win here. So I think teasing the Eagles down to minus one makes a lot of sense. I actually like the Eagles and San Fran and the teaser or Eagles-San Fran and a Moneyline parlay. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't know how either of those teams lose here. I guess we'll find out, you know, on Sunday see if it comes through. But, yeah, it would be Philly and the Chiefs for me or Philly and the money line. I don't want anything to do with the Jets. The, the Phillies' defensive front is very, very strong, and the Jets, they need to rely on the run game, and their offensive line's just not that good, and you can't run on Philly. So it's, it's up to Zach Wilson to go ahead and throw the ball. He's going to get killed in this game. Even though Philly has some defensive injuries, it's, it's not going to pan out. So it's Philly for me uh, in any way, shape, or form outside of, you know, laying seven points. But that's where I'm at. How about you, Steve? Eagles, Jets, what do you think? Yeah, Philadelphia is undefeated, you know, but they haven't looked dominated. You know, they, they they play these games and, you know, you're not seeing the same Eagles team as last year. And I, I'm not sure exactly why that is, you know, despite not playing a single opponent above league average and not losing a game, they only have a 37 point differential and that's good for seventh in the league. You know, by comparison, the uh, San Francisco, the only other undefeated team is first with a point differential of 99. So the Eagles have 37, San Francisco has 99. You know, Philly's winning, but the loss of their coordinators seem to be really impactful, and, and it's taking a long time to get them going in the right direction. I do see some signs that I do think it, it's it's trending that way. Um, they haven't hit their stride, and I think that this changes this week. You know, the Jets are holding on to respectability despite being a, a top, having a bottom three starting quarterback. You know, Wilson has started to look a little bit better himself but he's still not good. And Philadelphia's defense is significantly better than some of the ones that he has faced. They, they have wins against the Bills and the Broncos, close losses to the Chiefs and the Patriots, and a blowout defeat uh, to Dallas in Week 2. Uh, you know, the Jets aren't a dumpster fire. You know, I predicted that they were going to be. I thought when Aaron Rodgers went down, I thought the season was completely done. I thought they would just mail it in. That's not the case. So I think that their coaching staff does need to get some praise for that. But they're not going to be able to compete with Philadelphia, you know, specifically with that dual threat, you know, the run or the pass. Uh, They have a fifth ranked uh, uh, offense, and I don't think that the Jets are going to be able to compete with that. I fully expect them to dominate both sides of the the line of scrimmage on offense and defense. I I think the Jets are going to be severely outnumbered in that respect. Um, You know, the tush push gets a a lot of conversation, but man, they, they can move the ball. I mean, they're great at pass protecting and run blocking. They're moving the line. You know, I gave out Philadelphia minus six. Minus seven is getting a little expensive. I, I think turning to Philadelphia first half, minus three and a half is a great look. All right, good play there. Sounds like Steve likes the Eagles in that one quite a bit. Uncle Dave will let you go and get final say on this one. Eagles, Jets, what do you think? Yeah, it's interesting listening to you guys talk about, you know, they're not dominant. I think that I did a podcast probably with you, Sleepy, sometime this past summer. Um, I was not a buyer on the Eagles, you know, last year. Hertz and, and Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith, like they all had career years. And I don't I don't think that's duplicatable. So 
I think they set the bar a little bit high. Um, so I, I'm not a, I'm not a buyer of of Philadelphia in this game. Um, you know, last week, yeah, the Jets pulled out that game against the shitty Denver team with the Broncos' former coach on the sidelines. You know, was that the outlier? I'm going to say yes, absolutely, which all but takes a Jets bet off the table. And it's a bit of a tough spot for the Eagles. They got Miami next week and a rematch against Washington following that. Um, I trust the Jets' defense. I trust the Eagles' defense. I'm not laying a touchdown on the road in what's a, a late game. Uh, so it'll be it'll be getting dark. It'll be damp and, and, and chilly. Uh, but I will bet the under. But what I really like here is the Jets' team total under. I mean, I think even a, even a reasonable attempt by Philadelphia to stop Brees Hall at all and, and, and force the Jets to throw, which you know as well as I do is going to create problems. So I'm going to be on the Jets team total under. All right, so Uncle Dave with the Jets team total under. You actually kind of were talking me into the under for the game there, Uncle Dave, with your handicap there. So maybe I'll go ahead and take a look at that. Let's go. Let's jump over to our final big game of our four here. We got Detroit at Tampa. Current line in this game, Detroit minus three, total 43 and a half. Steve, I'll let you go and lead out on this one. How are you feeling about the Lions and Buccaneers? Preseason line was Detroit minus three and a half. And a month into the season, Detroit's only laying three, despite being third in total DVOA, top 10 in defensive and offensive EPA and DVOA itself. You know, Detroit's looked actually pretty good. I've been surprised. I had a lot of money on the the Packers. I thought they were a good value coming into the year for that division. And it looks like Detroit's kind of running away with it right now. You know, Detroit beat the Chiefs opening night, which was awesome. You know, and, and they have a letdown spot, you know, when they lost to Seattle, uh, which we, I mentioned earlier in an OT. Uh, but the following three weeks, they played Atlanta, Green Bay, and Carolina, and they're not very good teams, but they won all those games by 14 or more points. So you can't, you know, choose who you play, but you can certainly dominate them, and, and they certainly are doing that. You know, Jared Goff is six in EPA per play and should get Amon St. Brown back and Jameer Gibbs, not that they ever use him with, in Detroit, but, you know, I, I think that can only help them. Uh, Tampa is three and one, you know, and, and they've also exceeded my expectations. I thought Tampa Bay was going to be under six and a half. I bet that, that, that looks like it's probably going to come up a loser here. Um, you know, their only loss was to the Eagles and they're, and they're certainly outperforming my expectations, but their wins were against Minnesota, Chicago, and New Orleans. And, you know, those combined records are four and 10. So as much as their records suggest that they are playing above their heads and they are, you know, going against a team that teams that only won four games out of 14 is not something uh, to hang your hat on with that. Um, I, I do think Tampa Bay is a pretender. I think they're a, a team that has a winning record right now that probably shouldn't. Mike Evans is also banged up, uh, potentially out. I, you know, my power ratings make it three, but I still think Detroit laying that three is, is worth a look. All right. So Steve may be taking a look there at Detroit. How about you, Uncle Dave? What do you got? Yeah, I'm probably going to go the other way. I mean, I think another win total I gave out was the Bucks over. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, Brady last year, Brady to Baker, so let's downgrade Tampa Bay a shitload. I disagree. I mean, Brady was, you know, kind of looked like Peyton Manning did in his last year with Denver. I mean, it was a, it was a struggle to throw the ball more than 20 yards downfield. So I, I'm not going to back down in my opinion of the Bucks. You know, they're a 3-1 team. They're off a bye. Uh, they've only allowed more than 17 once. That was to the Eagles. And, you know, aside from week one at Kansas City without Kelsey, I think the Bucks may be the best team that uh, Detroit's going to play. I mean, I know they scored 76 points in the last two weeks, but against the Panthers and the Packers, and, you know, at the time, two of the worst defenses in the, in the NFL. I mean, you know, Tampa is last in yards per rush allowed. 
uh, and the Lions' defense is third in yards per rush allowed. So uh, I'm going to be betting Baker attempts over, uh, and the Bucks are number one in turnover margin. So I'm going to go ahead and take Tampa Bay and the under because I suspect everyone will be on the over, and I'm not buying it. All right, Uncle Dave. Um, the Mayfield one that you gave out there, attempts over, kind of intrigues me a little bit. I like the fact that Tampa is at home off a of bye. I kind of like them here. You can get them at three and a half at a few books. I found it on DraftKings, Tampa Bay plus three and a half minus 120. That's the only number I would probably play Tampa Bay at plus three and a half. But I actually think that they can win this game outright. I actually think that there's a strong possibility that they will. It's an expensive half point that I'm paying for, but I think in this case it could be worth it. Detroit playing well right now. Winners of, what, three in a row. They just blew out the Panthers and the Packers in back-to-back weeks. Detroit feels like they're in at like an all-time high right now, and I'm not even sure if they should actually be favored in this particular game. Lions are still dealing with a host of injuries on the offensive side of the ball. Offensive line, I'm on St. Brown, so you have to worry, you know, if he's going to come back and play or and how effective if he might be. I mean, he didn't play at all last week. Didn't matter, though. Mike Evans, as Steve said, uh, he's banged up. I would say there's probably like a 30% chance he plays. I actually handicapped this game saying that he will not play. But the Buccaneers still have Godwin. They still have Rashad White in the backfield. I think the under is actually worth a look here, Uncle Dave. It's gone from 45 to 43 and a half. I don't know if I even want to get involved in that, though. But I think the fact that this total is coming down, it's at 43 and a half. It just makes my plus three and a half on Tampa Bay that I'm going to pay for maybe a little bit better. So I'm not super strong on this one. Kind of lean a little bit to the under, but Tampa Bay at plus three and a half, that's the only real way I'd go in that game. But as you were mentioning there, Uncle Dave, maybe the Baker attempts over depending on what that number is, that might be worth a look because Detroit's just been a tough team to go ahead and go ahead and run on. So we'll see. So that'll wrap up our big four games there. Let's go ahead. Let's get into our player prop contest. Currently 16 and 14 on the year. So we now have a winning record four and two last week and yours truly. I had another sweep. So I had Kirk over receptions winner, Mixon over rushing yards winner. So I've gone from worst to first. In two weeks, I might have to go ahead and download that Outback Steakhouse app now just so I have it ready. Shut your mouth. I don't want to talk a bunch of smack because it could be an 0-2 week for me. But again, 4-0 run. I'm looking uh, at another 2-0 sweep with my picks there this week. But I'm not going to go first this week. I'm going to let Uncle Dave go ahead and lead out. I have a feeling he's got two winners. What do you got, Uncle Dave? Um, yeah, I could have easily had two last week. I was one and one, and I dropped uh, Zach Wilson by three yards, I believe. Are you crying? A couple of touchdown scores. Uh, Mark Andrews, plus 155 anytime touchdown. And I guess I did make money last week because my Derek Carr over was plus 140. So, you know, we got to we gotta look at we gotta We got to adjust here, Sleepy. Um, but, you know, Andrews is actually the third-ranked uh, tight end in, in fantasy this week behind Kelsey and Hawkinson. And, you know, he hasn't been in the end zone all season. I think that he's going to be overlooked by the Tennessee defense over there in London. So Mark Andrews to get into the end zone. Uh, and uh, my other one is Bijan Robinson, anytime touchdown. I believe that was minus 110. Uh, let me see if I can find it again here. Yes, it was minus 110. Uh, look at Look at Robinson. Uh, he does not have a rushing touchdown yet this season. 
none, zero, nada. Uh, but what he does have is two receiving touchdowns, and they're going to use him out of the backfield. I mean, he, he's going to get his 16 attempts and his, his four or five receptions this week, and it's against a Washington defense that I have literally no respect for. So I'm going to say that Bijan Robinson gets into the end zone at minus 110. All right, so there's Uncle Dave's two props. How about you, Steve? What do you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm going Marvin Mims. Everybody loves himself some Marvin here. You know, there was so much talk in the fantasy community about him and, and how they thought that he should get more burn in Denver. I, you know, the one game he had 113 uh, yards receiving, two touchdowns. Uh, you know, he had 73 in another, 47 in another. He's just – he's a big play waiting to happen. He's somebody that really stretches the field for Denver. Uh, so, you know, it's got to be worth a look, right? You know, I'm actually going under 17 and a half receiving yards. You know, in every game, he's only had two or less receptions. He's only had one game where he's had more than two targets. Um, so he's not getting a ton of look. And if he's not getting those big plays down the field, he's not really making much of an impact. You know, adding the fact that Casey's been sneaky good uh, this year on defense, uh, you know, significantly better than they've been in the past. Uh, and they're also playing in an inclement weather game that has sustained winds of 20 miles per hour with gusts of 30 uh, with some chance of rain on top of it. You know, it doesn't scream like there's going to be a ton of downfield passing. So I don't know how many opportunities Marvin Mims will get in that style of offense. So it's an ugly one. It's not something that I'm super excited to watch and hold my breath if he's running downfield. But under 17 and a half receiving yards is one. For the second one, I'm going Zay Flowers. And listen, listen to the targets this guy has. I mean, he's, I'm going to read his targets from the beginning of the year. Zay Flowers has had 10 targets, 5, 10, 4, and 11. He's actually eclipsed 55 and a half receiving yards in every game except for one. Um, you know, this past game that he just had, he, he dropped a whole bunch of balls, just like everybody else on the team. They were allergic to the ball, which is why they lost the game. Um, so I, I like Zay Flowers over 55 and a half. And I think we get that going away. All right, sounds like we're pretty heavy on the Baltimore game. Uh, let's go right back to the Baltimore game. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys Mark Andrews over 51.5 receiving yards. This one's simple. The Ravens wide receivers simply can't hold on to the football right now, but Mark Andrews can. He's been their most reliable target for the last couple of years. He had 10 targets last week, went well over this number posted at 51.5, and he went over the week prior, and Harbaugh knows that you cannot run on the Titans, so it's going to be a heavy, heavy dose here of Mark Andrews this week. I expect six, seven, eight catches for Andrews, so I don't want to throw shade on your guys' picks. Uncle Dave, I do like your Andrews touchdown prop, and I was kind of thinking maybe Zay Flowers actually over as well. So, Steve, it feels like maybe we should be looking at maybe Lamar Jackson passing yards over. Uh, but anyway, let's get back to my second winner, and I like this one a lot. Like, this might be my best bet um, of the week on my entire card. Justin Fields, he's actually now been allowed to go ahead and throw the football, and he's looked pretty damn good throwing it as of late. So I'm going to go ahead and give out Justin Fields to go ahead and throw an interception, yes, at minus 130. How long do you actually expect this guy to go out there and throw the football? It's just, it's not going to, it's not going to work well. I mean, I, I see this coming to like a screeching halt with this guy. If you just keep letting him throw the football, he's going to eventually turn it over here. He didn't throw a pick in the last game when I get that, but he's throwing an interception in every other game this season. He's going to throw an interception here on Sunday. I would strongly, strongly recommend that you guys go ahead and take this. You can bet it. Yes. At minus 130. If the Bears let him go out there and throw, and look, he's looked way better. And I think that 
if you take a look at what he did all last year and what he did in the first, like, what, four games this year, it's like they had, like, just this thing, like, where it was like, dude, like, you're not allowed to go out there and throw and be comfortable. Like, yeah, he's more comfortable, but even if you're comfortable, you're going to go ahead, you're going to try to do some things that you generally can't do, and you're going to do some things that you normally do, and that's just throwing interceptions. So I really like Justin Fields this week to go ahead and throw an interception at minus 130. So those are my two picks. Andrew's over 51 and a half receiving yards. Justin Fields is throwing an interception. Yes. It's not a wrap up our player prop contest. Maybe I can go ahead and do another sweep, make it a six and zero run for myself. But as I mentioned, 16 and 14. So on the winning side for us as a team, let's go ahead. Let's get into our weather. Let's throw it over to our resident meteorologist, David Gessler. Yeah. Hey, thanks sleepy. Uh, WSSD here. We're going to have some rain this weekend. Uh, temperatures aren't going to be getting any any chilly yet, but we, we're going to have rain basically from Chicago to New York, the entire sort of northeast. I mean, it's not going to be as bad as it will Saturday, uh, but that could limit some practice and field could be a mess. Um, games that will affect uh, Chicago, Cleveland, the uh, Jets and Eagles games, those will be definitely affected. Um, and I think what is actually really concerning is the wind speed. Uh, and in the same corridor, if you look at it, um, you're going to see winds, you know, maybe maybe a steady 20. Uh, I think the wind will be less uh, in, 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 in the Meadowlands, but you know, Chicago, Cleveland, Cincinnati, all of those are going to see pretty stiff winds. Uh, and if you look on the board, you'll see all those totals have already been bet down two or three points. Um, I'm not a fan of just blindly betting crappy weather unders, but, you know, that's what people do. And, and uh, I'll just have to wait and see. I mean, to do that four days out, I think, is a bit much. Um, I just don't think all those games will stay under. But those are the games the weather's going to affect. You know, I would, I would look at those games as, well, maybe I'll look at some rushing props because they won't be throwing the ball in the air or, or some underpassing props uh, in those games. That would be Cleveland. Cleveland and Cincinnati and Chicago would be the – would be the uh, the three most affected. The uh, the Eagles game a little bit less, uh, but nonetheless something to look out for. All right, so there's your weather update. How about our injury update, Steve? What do you got? Yeah, before we get to that, I, I did just play over uh, passing yards for Lamar Jackson two twenty three and a half. So there's a little bonus pick for you. We need the best. That's why you're here. Uh, but getting over to the injuries, Travis Kelsey is uh, practicing and is uh, supposedly going to play on Thursday night. So Patrick Mahomes will get his number one weapon back for that game. Uh, Ronnie Stanley is back for Baltimore. Baltimore, which had such a terrible offensive line injuries, is finally starting to get ha- healthy. Ronnie Stanley is back at the left tackle. and It looks like Morgan Moses might be back at right tackle. Speaking of the line, we have Peter Skronsky on the Titans. Uh, he did come back last week, and I thought it was going to be a boon to that offensive line. He was horrendous, so I'm not sure if he's still injured or if he's not good, uh, but expect that Ravens uh, offense line to, to get better and the Titans to get worse. Traylon Burks has also missed the past two weeks, and it does not look like he will be returning. Justin Jefferson is down for the Vikings, and he's going to be out for a few weeks with that hamstring injury. Jordan Addison and K.J. Osborne will most likely get some burn uh, with his absence. They're going to be playing in a game that could be inclement weather there. You know, Khalil Herbert is out. The Bears lost another running back. So who's going to run the ball there? Is Justin Fields going to be the one to try to be that lead back and the lead thrower? It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Seattle, Jamal Adams has a concussion. He's been in concussion protocol. Not sure if he's going to clear that yet. 
T. Higgins is out. We're not sure if he's coming back. If I gun to my head right now, I'd probably say he's not going to, but that's something to keep an eye on. You have to think that Seattle will try to figure out a way to slow down uh, Jamar Chase in a way that he wasn't slowed down last week with his 15 receptions. The Browns, the biggest question mark they have is Deshaun Watson. It's something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast. We are not sure if he is going to play. We did discuss it pre-pod, and we think it's probably going to be P.J. Walker. He's the one that's expected to start this week in case Deshaun is out. I would anticipate P.J. probably starting, but you know, are you feeling good enough about that decision to lay seven points? That's really the question. For the Texans, they lost Tank Dell last week, and it does not look like he's going to be playing this week. Anthony Richardson is out for the Colts for multiple weeks, maybe for the rest of the year right now, which then thrusts Gardner Minshew into the limelight there. He is great in relief, but as a starting pitcher, I'm not quite sure. Dolphins injury, Devon Achan, which I never pronounce his name correctly, was absolutely electric, and every time he touches the ball, he's much-watched TV. Uh, is going to be out for multiple weeks, but I don't think it's going to be for the whole season. Expect Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson to get a whole lot of looks on that um, in that backfield. Cooper Cup came back last week, and he looked just as good as he always does, and Puka didn't lose a whole bunch of targets there. He got double-digit target share, so if you're somebody that has Puka in fantasy, I wouldn't be overly concerned. I think there's going to be plenty of meat on the bone for both players. Amon Rossi Brown is back. I or should be back for the Lions. Jameer Gibbs could be back, although Jameer Gibbs has not gotten a lot of attention in that backfield despite being that early draft pick. Uh, the Buccaneers are coming off of their bye, but we still don't have an update on Mike Evans' hamstring, so we'll see how that plays out. And the Giants do have a plethora of injuries here. Daniel Jones is uh, injured with a neck, but he's probably going to play. Andrew Thomas is not practicing at the moment. Saquon Barkley is practicing. I expect him to play today. Uh, not today, this week. Uh, and Darren Waller actually did not practice as well. And that's interesting, you know, but I'm not sure if it's as impactful as a lot of people do. Certainly Daniel Jones will lose a weapon, but he's been used to block because that offensive line has been so porous. The backup tight ends for the Giants are not necessarily blockers, but they certainly can block better than uh, Darren Waller can. And on the flip side of that defense, you have the Bills that, you know, They've lost a lot. And number one, Matt Milano, who is their number one defensive player there, that kind of you see his on off splits. He's significantly impactful to that team. He's not going to be there for the rest of the season, as is Trey White. So we'll see how that shakes out. And for our last game over here, we have Leighton Vander Esch that is going to be out. He's going to hit the IR, but Austin Eckler should be back for the Chargers, um, which will be a boon to that offense. And, and they look to take advantage uh, out of the bye. All right, excellent update there from Steve with all those injuries. You guys know what that music is. It is now time for the Sheeps pick of the week. And if you went ahead and you faded the Sheeps last week, uh, you ended up a winner because the Buffalo Bills did not take care of business. So uh, let's go ahead and try to make it another winning week here with our Sheeps pick this week. It's the Miami Dolphins. Miami has taken a ton of money all week long and has gone from minus 11 and a half up to minus 14 at some books. 95% of the tickets are on the Dolphins and 81% of the cash is on the Dolphins. There is just a clear caution sign right now flashing on this Dolphins team. The Panthers are off a blowout loss. The Dolphins' best running back that Steve just mentioned has now hit the IR. Miami off a blowout win. And they have Super Bowl runner-up Eagles on deck. So I would just say be careful. The Sheeps are following the Dolphins this week. This smells like a Slaughterhouse special. So Sheeps pick to the Slaughterhouse this week is going to be the Miami Dolphins 
at minus 13 and a half. With that wrapped up, let's go ahead. Let's get into our three-team betting predator parlay. And I'll go ahead and I'll lead out here. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins as my pick under the team total of 30 and a half. Look, I get it. Like the Dolphins' offense, it's looked great. It's rolling right now. But they're in a tough spot here. And the Panthers' defense, I would say it's not actually terrible. Even though they got smoked last week, I do expect them to go ahead and step up here. And will Miami look to go ahead and press the throttle here? you know, against the Panthers. I don't see any reason why they would try to run up the score on Carolina. If the Panthers are behind by, you know, two, three scores, I think Miami might eventually just take the air out of the ball and look to go ahead and run. I feel like Miami could have one of those surprising lackluster performances. And I think that they're actually just due for one. So 30 and a half, that's a lot of points for any NFL team. And even though the Dolphins have looked good, it just feels like one of these complete flat spots where they don't really care. Just go out and get the job done, move on to next week. So I'm going to go ahead and kick in Dolphins team total under 30 and a half for the three-team Predator Parlay. Uncle Dave, you're up next. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that you're going to agree with this one, Sleepy. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals team total under 20 and a half. I mean, that, that offense just is not that good. And I, you know, I know you and I talked off air about uh, the Rams defense. You don't like it. Um, I think anytime you have Aaron Donald, you have to like their defense. I, uh, I don't think Arizona on the road is going to put up that many points. So I'm just going to go ahead and take them under 20 and a half. I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking at what they've done here. You know, they've, you know, they only put up 16 against the 49ers, well, nobody does that. They they put up 16 at Washington. Uh, they put up 20 in the Rams. You know, the only time they, they've done better than that uh, was that sort of outlier against Dallas uh, and against the Giants defense when, when push came to shove, they couldn't score at all. So I'm going to take the Arizona team total under 20 and a half. All right, so Arizona team total under 20 and a half, and we have the Dolphins team total under 30 and a half. Steve, you going to make it a three for three here on uh, team totals? I am not. I'm actually going to go a full game side here. We're going to go Minnesota minus two and a half. And, you know, so much about this is about Chicago. They're getting a lot of love the last couple of weeks. You know, Justin Fields has looked apart um, much more so than he did previously. And, and certainly last year's campaign and he's throwing the ball. I mean, DJ Moore has been unbelievable, but you have to think Minnesota is going to be able to focus on that. And Minnesota doesn't have a great defense. I understand that, but you know, I'm not sure Justin Fields by himself without DJ Moore can really move the ball down the field. I mean, they don't have any running backs right now. They don't really have a secondary receiver that you totally trust. And on the flip side of the ball, you know, Kirk Cousins has looked electric. Uh, he's been fantastic. I understand what the record is, but if you look at his numbers, he's been absolutely phenomenal for that team. The turnovers are killing him. There's no doubt about it. And, and those one score game contests that were, that, you know, were so good for them last year has been dreadful. I mean, the turnover luck they had last season, the one-score game, it's been the complete and utter opposite. And, and as everybody, not me, not you, literally everybody who, who does this, you know, who, who bets regularly and, and takes it seriously, has been talking about how Minnesota was due for a letdown spot, and the market reflected that, and that's exactly what we've seen. But it's almost overcorrected here. I mean, this is – they're being priced in a, a completely different stratosphere right now. And the Bears' defense, you know, I understand they're getting a little healthier, but they were projected to be the worst defense coming into the league. So I'm not sure that the additions of the players you're getting back healthy are going to make that much of a difference. You know, even if it's inclement weather, I expect Minnesota to have a better chance running the ball with their running backs than the Bears. Um, I understand Justin Fields can run the ball without a running back, but 
I, I just trust Minnesota more. I trust that eventually this variance will settle out and, and the right team will come out on top. And I think that's Minnesota. All right. So there you go. There's our three picks for a three team predator parlay. Still unable to go ahead and cash one of these. Hopefully we'll go ahead and we'll cash it this week. Let's go ahead and repeat what we have here. Dolphins team total under 30 and a half. Steve has the Minnesota Vikings minus the two and a half. And Uncle Dave has the Cardinal team total under 20 and a half. So that'll be our three team betting predator parlay. And guys, right now it is week six of the NFL. This podcast is brought to you by our betting predators weekly newsletter on Substack created in partnership with StadiumTalk.com. Sign up for our new betting predators and Stadium Talk weekly collaboration newsletter on Substack and get all the actionable information that you need including exclusive newsletter-only picks each week. Our newsletter is delivered every Friday to your inbox for free. Yes, you heard me, all for free. Sign up for the free newsletter at bettingpredators.com or go to bettingpredators.substack.com to learn more. All right, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and let's get into our best bets. I believe we were 2-1 last week, so another good week for our best bets. Uncle Dave, I'm going to let you go ahead and start out with your best bet. What do you got? What I try to tell you, this country, you got to make the money first. Do you understand? I make a couple of moves, a mill here, a mill there, you got it. Maybe you and Sosa know something I don't know. Yeah, I like the Colts plus four at Jacksonville, Sleepy. When you know, you know. And, and I don't think the Colts are losing to the Jags by more than four points. They may actually win. Uh, the Jags not only don't have a bye after two weeks in London, they got a Thursday road game at the Saints this week, so it's a tough spot. It's a division game. It's a rematch from 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 week one when Jacksonville won at Indy. And in that game, they beat Anthony Richardson in his first NFL start. I mean, it's a game the Colts actually led going into the fourth quarter. Colts have already won two road games. Yes, I know it's Gardner Minshew, but he's facing the team that started Minshew Mania uh, and, and, and unceremoniously traded him to the Eagles for a sixth-round pick. Um, you know, he's got Taylor back, and I know Zach Moss went off last week, but just having the Taylor issue resolved can only be a positive in the locker room. Uh, and if that weren't enough, the Jags' defense is allowing 5.7 yards per play. The same Jags team that has a point differential of three. I mean, I think the Colts are going to win. If they want to give me points, I'll take them. I'm going to go Colts. All right, so Uncle Dave going to go ahead and kick the Colts in there. For his best bet, Uncle Dave, you know one of the things that I think that actually is a positive here for the Colts, and it might sound kind of contradictory here, is that Anthony Richardson's going to be out for a long period of time. So this is now Gardner Minshew's team. It's not like, is he going to play this week? Is he not going to play? Like, we know that we're going to get Gardner Minshew for the next couple weeks, and I think that that actually helps them go ahead and just put the game plan together. They know exactly what they have. They know how to rally around a guy like that. And Minshew's a good backup quarterback, so uh, I don't dislike the Colts. I came into the week actually liking the Jaguars, but for some reason I've kind of soured on it. So the fact that you're on the opposite side of the Jaguars and Uncle Dave, I certainly won't go ahead and play Jacksonville. Steve, I'll let you go ahead, give out your best bet next. What do you got? If you're good at something, never do it for free. All right, so listen, why don't you give me a call when you want to start taking things a little more seriously? Here's my card. Yeah, 
I'm going back to the Eagles game. I mentioned that I liked it earlier at six and, you know, at seven, it's getting a little pricey, but I'm going to pivot right to the first half. I mean, Philadelphia minus three and a half in the first half. If you take a look last year, Philadelphia was 15 and five ATS in the first half. This year, they're three and two. You know, you look at the Jets, they're 0 and five to start the year right now. They have yet to get any wins in the, in the first half ATS. And, and frankly, you know, Philadelphia gets out to these big leads in the second half. They kind of run the ball and they run out the clock and they change their style of play. But they've been beating up on teams for multiple years now in that first half. I expect them to do it in this one. Um, you know, I probably personally will be playing some money line in the first half. I'll probably split my bet. But for the sake of the podcast, let's go minus three and a half, minus 110, Philadelphia first half. All right, so there's Steve's best bet, Philadelphia first half, minus three and a half. For my pick, I'm going to go with the same exact pick that I gave out last week. Come on and wake up. Come on and wake up now. It's time to shake a leg and get up. It's time for you to raise your head up. Come on and wake up. Come on and wake up. Now you know it's time. Come on and, come on and, come on and, come on and, come on and wake up now. Atlanta Falcons on the money line proved to be a very good wager last week as the Falcons ended up winning by two. I won't be shocked if that happens again. You got to lay a little bit here, though. So you got to go ahead and lay minus like 130, 135 here on the Falcons money line. But I think that that's perfectly fine. Washington's terrible. They've now lost three games in a row, and that team just seems like they find ways to go ahead and lose games. Washington beat two of the worst teams in the entire NFL with the Cardinals and the Broncos. So I just say big deal to that. The Falcons right now, they're in the thick of it with this division along with the Bucks, And I think a win here really helps them out. No, for the long term, you can't lose games to bad teams and expect yourself to go ahead and make the playoffs. I'm sure that that's kind of what the Falcons are telling themselves right now. And they have to be feeling pretty good, you know, after they beat the Packers. And the fact that Ritter actually looked pretty good throwing the football when it mattered most. And I think there's a strong possibility that the Falcons actually look really, really good this week. And they break out in some type of an offensive explosion. So even though I don't want to lay the two and a half points, I mean, it's something's just telling me that the Falcons have a chance to go ahead and blow out the commanders here. But I'll go ahead and I'll play the Falcons on the money line just because it was such a good pick last week. I'll just duplicate it. I believe we'll go ahead and cash three best bets this week. So there's our best bets. With that out of the way, let's go ahead. Let's get into our three amigos agreed pick last week. Came up just shy. We had Garrett Wilson over his receiving yards. But, Steve, I'm going to let you go ahead and give out the pick this week. What are we all agreeing on? What do we got? That is a great question. We are actually pivoting back over to the San Francisco-Cleveland game here. Uh, We're going to go under Cleveland 14.5 as a team total. And this is really a a true gamble on the quarterback situation. You know, first off, if it's P.J. Walker, we're loving under 14.5. I don't think it needs much explanation. But let's talk about what happens if Deshaun Watson does play. He has not practiced for multiple weeks. He is clearly injured. He's going up against the best defense. San Francisco, whether it's a look-ahead spot for them or not, and, 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 you know, they're feeling great about themselves, they're unbelievable. They they just show up and play, and and it seems week in and week out, they come ready to play. And if there's inclement weather, I think that just adds to the case that the Browns are going to struggle to move the ball on offense. So I I do right now think there's a greater than not chance that, that Watson does sit. I think 
if that's the case, I think we're in the money. And if he does play, I still think that we're we're alive. Um, we're live with the play. So under 14 and a half uh, team total for the Cleveland Browns. All right. Cleveland Browns under 14 and a half team total. Uncle Dave, what's your handicap on that one? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, much of what Steve said, but, you know, I might expect a little bit of a letdown for the 49ers after that Cowboys game. But, I mean, if you just look at their at their, at their their defensive stats, they're number one in points per game. They're third in yards per game. They're second in points per play. They're four, third in, in yards per play. I mean, even if we get a mediocre effort, you know, look at the look at the Cleveland offense, you know, 27th in yards per play, 28th in points per play. I mean, everything, everything just, you know, lines up for it to be uh, not a good afternoon for Browns fans. And, and I think that that team is just so dysfunctional uh, right now. And, and Stefanski got his coach of the year, but you may see him fade off into the sunset before too long. So I'm with Steve Brown's team total under 14 and a half. All right. Here's my handicap. And it might sound a little crazy, but I feel like that there's a strong possibility that the Browns could go into this game and absolutely tank it. And then when I say that, I mean, not go out there and lose on purpose, but go out there and let their, let the team get healthier because this team is not healthy right now. We know Watson's banged up. The offensive line has issues. There's some issues on the defensive line. Um, also, I think Amari Cooper was banged up, uh, headed into the last game. Like it feels like this team just needs an extra week, even though they just came off the bye week. But you have to ask yourself if the team's not healthy and their quarterback's not going to play. Like, what sense does it make to go all out against this team in San Francisco, who more than likely, even on, you know, maybe your best day, you still can't beat that team. So I don't expect Watson to play. I don't expect any of the starters to really play a whole hell of a lot. If San Fran jumps out to a decent lead, I think they just start pulling the most important guys off the field. And Cleveland just goes out there and they just struggle to score points. And they might actually just run the ball to just end the game to keep this whole entire Browns team healthy, you know, going on the road because they got two road games in a row right after this San Fran game. So it's not saying they're going to tank it, but I feel like this is a game in which if things get out of control a little bit early that you start to see starters coming off the field. That's just kind of the way that I feel about it. So uh, I don't know how you could have much confidence in any of the Browns backup quarterbacks against the San Fran defense. So there's our agreed upon pick. We're going to go ahead and play the Cleveland Browns team total under 14 and a half and that'll wrap up the podcast for this week so you guys got all our picks for this week make sure you guys like subscribe to the podcast as i mentioned make sure you guys go to bettingpredators.com make sure you guys follow us on twitter at sleepyj underscore pregame at dave underscore essler and at avoid the vague make sure you guys check us out at bettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web pregame.com with that said I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for nfl week number six enjoy the games <laughs>